Welcome back to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. Today's segment is Caring is Giving with yours truly, L. Cole. We have a very exciting guest today, so please continue listening to the full episode. This podcast is powered by the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, and we would like you to remember that the information shared on the Vitamin SC3 podcast is for informational or educational purposes only and does not substitute professional medical advice or consultations with healthcare professionals. To become a member of the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, visit SickleCellConsortium.org. The Sickle Cell Consortium is a collaborative designed a little bit like the United Nations in theory so that we can bring together many organizations for sickle cell throughout the country and now throughout the world as well as um, independent patient caregiver leaders, opinion leaders, advocates, those that are active in this space. And our goal is, what we've always done, is bring our community together so that we can create projects, priorities, initiatives. We can figure out what are the problems, needs, and gaps in the sickle cell community, and then figure out how we're going to collectively address this. Welcome to another Vitamin SC3 podcast. I am super excited about today's show, and I want you to sit back, tell a friend about our podcast, and then tune in and listen to the show in its entirety. This is going to be an excellent show for families and one that you can share with your extended family as well. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guest. We have a husband and wife team with us today. We have Alan and Andressa. Welcome to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. Thank you very much for inviting us. Thank you. So just to kind of introduce everybody to you both, can you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are? Andressa, ladies first. Yes, thank you. Um, Well, my name is Andressa. I'm a caregiver, a mom of a princess who has sickle cell disease, and I'm married to Ellen. Together we have four ch- children, so um, that's a little bit about me. Okay, so um, my name is Alan Ambrose. Um, as Andressa mentioned, I'm married to Andressa, my beautiful wife. Um, we all together have four kids. I have three from my my, my previous marriage. Andressa has one from her previous marriage, um, but we see the four as um, our children. Um, I live in New Jersey. My wife moved a few months ago to Florida, also because of the um, the implication she was having with um, Tenji, her princess, um, having sickle cell disease. Awesome. I am so glad that you all brought up that you have a blended family. And I think in our community, there are many sickle cell families that have blended families, but we don't always get to hear their stories. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Can you tell us a little bit about um, if you identify as a caregiver or not? And what does being a caregiver mean to you? And we'll start with you, Alan. Okay, with myself. Okay. So, um, important question. Um, do I identify myself as a caregiver? I would say yes. Um, as I mentioned before, is that Andressa, her daughter, who became my daughter, who has sickle cell, um, needs the attention, needs the help. I believe that you become a caregiver the moment that you dedicate your life in keeping someone healthy. Um, and I believe that I've done that over the past few years um, when Andressa came to my life with Tenji, where I have to make sure that she eats the right stuff. You know, McDonald's, for example. I have to make sure that she loves to swim, but I have to make sure as a caregiver that, hey, not more than 10 minutes in the swimming pool. 
make sure that hey when you come out of the swimming pool you have to dry off as soon as fast as possible so you're warm enough so by giving that attention i believe that i am a caregiver um sometimes i have to tell my wife i believe that this would be better for tenji i know you're the mom but as a father i believe that it's better for tenji and by dedicating my life in keeping her healthy i believe that i'm um, completing my my task as a caregiver and as a father Awesome. Awesome. Now, Andressa, when you were telling us about who you are, you willingly told us that you were a caregiver. So what does being a caregiver mean to you? And why do you identify as a caregiver? Um, so for me as a mom, I believe that the moment I found out that my daughter has sickle cell, um, that my journey as a caregiver started, right? Um, the whole process of being a caregiver is not only take care, give love, bring to the hospital, do the doctor's visits and stuff, but also the accept, accept, accepting process, the whole journey, right? So for me, the first two years, struggling with accepting the fact that you, your daughter has sickle cell, um, educating yourself on a certain condition, um, it's the whole package. For me, it means a lot because as an individual, um, at a very young age, I believe that I was um, aware of a health condition that I never heard of before. So it did change my whole life, of course. And also for our marriage, sickle cell disease was one of the things we discussed in a very early uh, moment during our dating process <laughs> but um, caregiving is um, being a caregiver is very important because if you look from uh, the perspective of your child in this case our daughter I believe that when she gets older she will look back and be like wow these people were always there mm -hmm, that's beautiful you know when you were speaking about sickle cell disease and, you know, it's an illness. I think about growing up and not really hearing about people having sickle cell disease. For you, Andressa, did you know you had sickle cell trait when you were growing up? No, um, I've, I didn't know that sickle cell uh, was in my family. So when I was 20 months pregnant, I figured out that I had a trait because I knew that my ex-husband had a trait. So my specialist wanted to make sure that I didn't have a trait. But at 20 months pregnant, 20 weeks pregnant, um, we figured out that I had a trait. <laughs> 21 is a little bit too long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But I can definitely relate to what you're saying because... It was at 20 weeks when I also found out that my husband and I were both trait carriers and neither one of us had heard about it prior to that day. And so um, I wanted to ask you that because I know how life changing that moment was for me. So if you don't mind, can you kind of just go back to that moment of hearing the OBGYN say you're a trait carrier. Like, what did that feel like in the moment? Um, well, I must say that based on the fact that I didn't know what sickle cell disease really was, I was in shock. I was very scared because the only thing that I knew was that if you have sickle cell disease, you can die early, right? At a very young age. And your life will be a very miserable, painful situation, right? So for me, hearing that I had a trait, I knew, okay, that means I have 25% chance that my baby has sickle cell disease. So I started to get information and I went to another doctor to see um, how to move forward, what, you know, what, what will happen if my princess will have sickle cell disease because in my country the the um the babe, the heel screening 
wasn't available yet. So we needed to wait for two and a half years before we could test to see which one she had. Because at the first year, we tested one or twi- once or twice. And then the doctor told us um, that it uh, might be um, just sickle cell treat because she was doing very good. Her hemoglobin F was also very high. So no worries, right? But during my pregnancy, that was a very scary period because I didn't know yet what to expect. And because it's like an honor situation, you have no idea what's waiting for you. We couldn't do tests to see what's going on with the baby and stuff like that. So it was really scary back then. You mentioned just a few um, seconds ago that you are from a different country. Can you tell our listeners which country you're from? I'm from Suriname, which is in South America, the most beautiful country in South America. Thank you so much for sharing that. So you also mentioned in the introduction that when you were dating your husband, Alan, you guys talked about sickle cell disease. And I think as a caregiver myself, anybody that I meet, it comes up because sickle cell disease is a big part of our life. It doesn't control who we are, but because we become so passionate about educating others, about advocacy, about the love of our child, that we tend to talk about it. How did it come up when you guys were dating? So um, when we started to date, right, the reason also why I started to talk about it is because for me it was important to let him know that if we continue dating and at a certain point live together, our life will change, right? Especially living in a colder state. He lives in New Jersey. And of course, if we decide to start our own family, like we're getting a baby together, we need to make sure that he has that he don't have the treat. Yes. So, Alan, this question is for you. And I'm very curious because I know both Andressa and I, we didn't know anything about the trait prior to us giving birth to a child with sickle cell disease. Did you know about sickle cell disease, sickle cell trait, genotypes? What was your introduction to sickle cell disease? Now, I think the introduction to sickle cell started with dating my wife, I believe. Um, I had heard it in different occasions, sickle cell, um, but didn't really pay attention. Um, You know, sometimes when you don't feel the effect of something, you don't really worry about it, right? So, um, in my family, um, I've heard about someone who had sickle cell, but because I didn't know that person, I didn't really pay attention attention to what sickle cell was. Um, it was until I met Andressa, and as Andressa mentioned, important to discuss as her partner um, to for me to know what sickle cell was and what the the implication was going to be in case we would have a child, but also for me to prepare on how do I take care of Tenji, her princess, my princess also, um, was very important the communication in what is sickle cell. And to be quite frank, um, I believe that when Andres told me about sickle cell, I still did not realize what sickle cell was. Um, I think experiencing it with someone close to you is where you really understand what sickle cell is. And um, although um, Andressa was telling me about six months, different um, um, stories about her life, her eight years with um, Tenji, I think that the impact of sickle cell happened on, I think it was the 1st of January, I think our, the day after we got married. Um, the day after we got married, um, I remember that Tenji was dancing with all other kids in the living room and suddenly she fell to the floor and she started to scream. I believe that that was the moment that it really hit me. 
where I was like, is this sickle cell? So all the time Andres was talking about sickle cell, I didn't really understand what sickle cell was. So by experiencing that on that day, it was where my eyes were opened, where I was like, okay, don't take the information that like it's something simple. You know, it was more like if it could be like this, you need to open your eye. You need to open your mind. You need to open everything you have to be able to receive the information because they say information is power, right? So I believe that was the moment where I was then like more dedicated in understanding um, sickle cell. Um, so yes, she did introduce sickle cell to me um, during our dating process, but it was that day that I think it was completely life-changing to me. Wow, this is powerful. And I want to just kind of touch on it just a second because when you talk about just that introduction of sickle cell, there is something that takes place when you have a connection with a person with sickle cell that is very different than just receiving the education. And so that's what you're talking about. You're talking about having that personal connection and how now, you know, we can study things academically. You're both very intelligent. You can learn all the science behind it. But when you see it in person, it's something different that happens on the inside of you as a caregiver, as a person, as a provider, as a, a loved one. And so... Um, you were talking about that connection. And I think about my my experience. Yes, I knew my child had sickle cell, but it wasn't until she had her first crisis that I really began to understand sickle cell. So that same experience that you have, I think for all of us who are parents who aren't familiar with sickle cell because it's not something common in our lives, it's kind of like, you know, this, aha moment that takes place, you know, and I say aha because it's, it's really um, jarring and earth shattering when you see a crisis for the first time. And for me, it was all of these emotions mixed in one, because immediately as a parent, you don't want to see your child hurting, you want to fix it. And sickle cell is so unpredictable. It like you were talking about her dancing and this is a happy moment. This is a moment of joy. And it's like, wait a minute, how could that be? You know, you begin to, as a parent, you begin to go down the line in your mind, all of the things that you could have done to prevent it or you could have done to see it coming. You know, we, we come, we all of a sudden have this protective mode that start to kick in, but sickle cell is like, I'm in charge and you're not. You know, I'm, I'm saying that in a way to help, try to help our listeners really understand that no matter how much education you have, no matter what experience you think you know about sickle cell, the moment you see a crisis for the first time, it tells you what sickle cell is. And it's, it's jarring. So for, um, you know, all of us have family members. For those who are in your family, and when you try to tell other people about it, of course, I know your family tries to support you as as a family, as a unit, how are you conveying what sickle cell is to them when you know there is a bit of a disconnect between the knowledge, the connection, and actually seeing it in action? So um, if I understand the question correctly, I'm so sorry for repeating it. How did sickle cell disease impact my family? Was that the question? So how can you get your family to understand what sickle cell is so that they can support? So can, can I answer that question? It's possible. I think that if I look at Andressa, for the past few years, she, she has 
um, her family has been, um, her mom, her dad, her sisters, have seen Tanji from birth, right? And they have gone through the entire process of her um, having different crises, being in the hospital, having blood transfusion. So I think for me, in my perspective, it's uh, a news perspective, right? In the sense that um, I got married to Andressa, Tanji came into my life with my kids, with my family, right? And I believe that the way I did it, that really impacted um, um, my family is by talking about the impact, right? Um, I always say that there's a situation and a situation always has an impact, right? And I believe that when people understand the impact, they tend to look for information about the situation, right? So share with my family moments of, as I mentioned before, um, Tenji dancing, falling on the ground, screaming, in pain. Tenji being in the hospital, um, having blood transfusion. Tenji being on morphine. Those are situations that impacts my family members to know that this is not something that, you know, I had headache or something like that. That situation impacts them. So they want to know, wow, this is terrible. So what is sickle cell exactly, right? So what I also try to do also in my, at my workplace, in, my, in the office, when I talk about my daughter, I always talk about, yes, I spent three days in the hospital. My daughter is on morphine. I don't know when she's leaving the hospital. So let's talk about sickle cell. So for you to understand what sickle cell is, because the moment they hear that a child is in the hospital for a couple of days, they're being treated with morphine, they have to have a blood transfusion, that, that let the people pause, right? They pause and they tend to listen to the story behind the impact. And I believe that I've used that where my family have um, gone into the information of, hey, let me understand sickle cell. Even my, my colleagues around me, I remember that um, a few years ago when I, was, I had experience with Tenji and I was talking to my colleagues, there's a lot of people out there who have heard of sickle cell but don't have a clue. So I was able to use that opportunity of, as I mentioned before, the impact, just to be able to educate um, my, my colleagues. Um, and as I mentioned, also my family. Um, and believe me, I think it has an impact because until this day, if I just look at my colleagues, they would come to me and they would ask me, how's your daughter doing? Um, how can we help you? So the impact helped me with the situation and the situation helped to impact the people around me. So they are now more aware of what sickle cell is, right? And I always tell them, please don't keep the information for yourself. Try to share the information with your children because in the future, you might meet someone else. And again, as I mentioned before, knowledge is power. And if you have the knowledge, you're able to help. You're able to assist. So that's the way I try to, to do it, impacting my family members and colleagues around me. Awesome. I love that you are painting a picture for your colleagues. You're not just saying, oh, my daughter is sick. You're actually talking about what it is. I think sometimes, um, for whatever reason, there are sometimes when we don't tell people the full story, we, we may be scared to say, you know, my child needs a blood transfusion. But when we talk about it, it helps them understand what's actually happening and the gravity of the situation versus, 
you know, them just saying, oh, you know, she's sick, like she's at home, we need to give her Tylenol and she'll be better tomorrow. It's not that sort of thing. And so with you being willing to talk about it in detail, that helps people have a better mindset and a better understanding of what it is that you're dealing with. And so when you are being willing to share the impact, they can have more empathy. So you're allowing them to understand and that helps them as they interact with you. And I think that's very important for us to understand that sometimes our family members don't support us because we haven't always done a great job of saying, this is what I'm dealing with. And it sounds like you both share what you're dealing with in a way that others can understand. And I know just for myself, I can take a page from your book because for for years, I didn't really tell people the details. I just said, you know, my daughter has sickle cell, but I didn't, you know, I would say, I would describe what it was that it deals with the red blood cells, but that's so high level that people were like, okay, they didn't really get it. And it wasn't until I started to actually describe, as you mentioned, what takes place in her life that may, um, challenge her, that may be a challenge for her to deal with, then they begin to understand. So I'm wondering, how can your family, how, you know, Andressa, we've talked before, and you said that your family, they're helpful. They they understand, they're supportive, even though they're not in the same country as you. Can you share how your family and friends support you? Yes. So um, I have lived my whole life in Suriname before I moved to the United States. And um, I must say that my biggest support system was indeed my parents, my grandparents, but also my sister. Um, Because in the beginning, for me, it was very hard to accept sickle cell. It was easier to just put away and act like it's not there, like it won't haunt you. But um, while I was in the process of accepting, having difficulties with, you know, figuring everything out, my mom and my sister stepped in. And by stepping in, I mean that they were trying to um, make sure that I know what to do um, to don't trigger a crisis. Simple things, to look, right? Um, when you go to swim, put on warm clothes immediately, don't stay in the water too long, not too cold, not too hot, stuff like that. So my mom was so educated on sickle cell that even though I didn't want to know a lot about sickle cell, my mom made sure that I followed the rules for Tenji because knowledge is power, right? And um, at a certain point, my mom was sending me videos to let me see um, look, sickle cell disease is not so scary as you think, Andresa. You don't have. We, I was mad at the whole world. I was really mad at the whole world around me. It was so unfair. Why me? Stuff like that. Instead of focusing on my daughter's health, I was so busy with myself. And um, my mom was really trying to get me over that, you know, last. How do you say that? To be able to see and open yourself for information. And um, I remember she sending me a video and I was mad at her because I was like, stop sending me these videos. Okay. You don't know how I feel. You don't know what it is like. And she was like, I feel the pain um, twice as much as you because I see you struggling and I know that your daughter needs you. Right. So for me as a mom, it's also hard for me. So that's how my mom tried to... um, let me see that I'm not alone in this and we are in this together and stuff like that. She went to all the seminars that were available. My granddad was a, is a Rotarian. So in the Rotary Club, they um, invited someone to talk about sickle cell. So it was such an amazing environment that I was in with my family to be able to accept sickle cell. And believe me, the moment that I accepted it, there was no stop anymore. (laughs) I knew one thing, I need to be the best, the best, the best, the best mom ever. Because my daughter will not only need me now, she would need me the rest of her life. 
because we need to protect her and we need to be there beside her no matter what. So the journey was a very tough emotional one, but at a certain point, still the day of the day, at a certain point, I moved to the United States. And uh, when my family heard that I'm moving to New Jersey, the first thing was, it's cold. How are you going to do that? You know what I mean? Everybody around me was like, that is not a good idea, Andressa. It's not a good idea. The weather, the weather, the weather. For me, it was such a tough situation because it was like, I love my husband. I want to be there. I love my child. I want to be there for her as well. We're going to make it work. You know what I mean? So Ellen and myself started to have these conversations about insurance because we knew we need to have a good insurance to make sure that all the tests and stuff like that, the preventive things that we can do it here as well. You know what I mean? So when I was here, I remember the first time my daughter got a crisis, I was so ashamed. I had no idea how I needed to take up the phone and tell my family because for me, it was like, they're going to tell me, I told you so. Look what you've done. You know what I mean? And after the third crisis, my dad called me and he was like, if you don't know what to do, you're going to send Tenji back because this is no longer acceptable. You are ruining her life only to be with your husband, you know what I mean? So we had a lot of tough discussions and conversations because an innocent child is paying the high bills only to be happy in a marriage. So this whole situation was very difficult, but also for Ellen and myself, because at a certain point we decided that I'm not going to work because I need to make sure that I'm able to take care of Tanji in the right way and Ellen is going to provide outside the house. You know what I mean? So in our marriage, we also needed to see what can we do to make this work? What can we do? And every time that we thought we figured it out, my daughter was in a crisis again. We were in the hospital again. So it was just so difficult. It, it, was, it was really, really, really a very tough situation until February this year we decided that I need to move because I was afraid that at a certain point that I needed to bury my child or that she would get a stroke or something like that because she was doing so bad. And it made no sense anymore. It made definitely, we went on vacation and that's also where I decided as a mom, I need to make a decision now. In Suriname, it's always a summer, just like in Florida. And she was doing so good. She was happy, playing, no crisis, nothing. She was healthy again. So um, with tears in my eyes, I flew back to New Jersey and I told my husband, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to come back home anymore because coming home means that my daughter needs to be in the hospital, not being able to go back to school because Tanji wasn't able to go to school for three, four months. Everybody was used to it. Okay, Tanji is the other child the child with health issues. You know what I mean? She has a 504 plan. Okay, every day she has her hours with her um, teacher. So she didn't have a social life. Ellen and his kids were in school doing fun things, have normal stuff to do. And Tenji was always sick at home or in the hospital. It's, you know, so when you have a blended family, all these things, it it, it seems when you're from, when you're looking from outside or it, it's different, right? It's so, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. But when you're in the middle of everything, making these choices, it can be very hard, but I'm very grateful that we were able to make the choice. Wow, that that was a lot. And I love that you were able to make the choice and you were able to talk about it because I think the weather it seems so simple to most people who don't have to deal with sickle cell. They're like, oh, it's just a certain temperature, but it's a big deal in families who have sickle cell. I'm in the state of Maryland and, you know, we have all of the seasons in Maryland and I know that it can, you know, those really cold days, I homeschooled my tr- my child because I didn't want her to have to go to school on really cold days. I was afraid. And so I know firsthand what you all felt. And I applaud you for being able to come to a meeting of the minds 
um, and not worry about what everybody else says because other people will always have a lot to say, but you too will know what works for your household the best. And you have to have that strength to be able to make the decisions for what's best for your daughter. So I'm wondering, I know that there are other families who are blended families. What advice would you give couples um, who are blended families to help them support each other as caregivers and parents? I know every couple isn't going to say, hey, you know, allow me to move to a warmer climate. That's not going to be something that every couple can do. But what are some things that they can do? I know Alan talked a little bit about how, you know, he talks to his coworkers about caregiving and about sickle cell disease. What are some other ways that couples can support each other in this experience of parenting a child with sickle cell disease? Yes, I believe that when it comes to um, support and couples and be able to move to warmer state, for us it was, I think we're very blessed that we also have a very um, supportive family, right? Because making the decision to move to another state means you need to find a house, you need to get your car there, you need to put furniture, everything, right? So you need a lot of money to make it work. And then the second thing is the emotional situation in your marriage, right? So we had that support. So we were able to make the decision like that, we're moving now, we're doing this, we're doing that. And at a certain point, I believe that now that we are all settled, Ellen and I myself start having these conversations. Okay, now it's time for you to come to Florida because I'm tired of living apart. <laughs> so now that everything with Tenji is okay, we have the time and the energy to figure out how are we now going to be able to be happy in our marriage, to be happy together, to live together together again hopefully as soon as possible and the way Alan um, handled the situation when I was in the hospital with Denji I remember that I was so scared that because in Suriname I always had my mom my grandma my sister you know we were having these shifts in the hospital and for me living here alone with her and Alan I didn't know what to expect, but Alan always, 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 I didn't have to say something and he knew, Andresa, go home. I'm coming to the hospital. Go sleep for one or two hours because Tenji can't have a mom who is, you know. So um, he always was there for us to make sure that I'm doing okay, she's doing okay, we're all comfortable. And yeah, I, I feel that we're in a good situation. Yeah, but it's very important to be honest to your, as he did with his co-workers as well and his manager, that if there is something that he's able to come to the hospital or help, stuff like that. If I could add to that, um, I think that one thing, and I think I just had men has mentioned it a couple of times, but maybe not with a specific word. I believe that communication is very important. She just mentioned honesty, right? And I think it's very important that in a blended family, you you put yourself in the shoe of your partner, right? Um, because that's sometimes difficult. Sometimes parents might think, yeah, it's your son, it's your daughter. Um, I believe that if you, you love your partner and you love um, the children that comes into the marriage, you're, you, should, you should be able to put yourself in their shoes, right? And I believe that it all comes with communication. It starts with educating yourself, right? And there's, there, there will be some times where you would say, I don't understand you. But I believe that you have to take steps back and um, try to put yourself in the situation of, of your partner so you could have a more open discussion. Um be honest about how you feel. And I believe that also will help you in your decision-making, right? I always tell my wife that as long as my fingers are not the same, I don't have all of the answers. 
So it's not it's not important to have the answer right in front of you, but at least have that communication, open communication with your partner and making a decision. Sometimes could be a wrong decision, um, but learn out of those this, those wrong decisions, right? And try to make it better. So as Joseph was saying, she came to New Jersey. We want to be a happy married family. Um, now, it was cold. So we had to make a decision. At that point, she was honest to me and I was able to put myself in her shoes so I could understand her. She moved to Florida. Yeah, the next step is what can we do to make sure that Tenji stays healthy but that our marriage works also, right? So stop thinking in problems but look into solutions. There are solutions. Try not to get frustrated because it's easy to get frustrated. Understand that you're all together in the same boat, right? And um, by understanding you're all in the same boat, you could do look, try to get the, the boat ashore, right? Uh, that's very important. So again, keep talking, be honest, and try to, to make a decision that where both of you feel comfortable. Wow. When you were talking, it made me think about the children. Your kids, I know now it's a blended family, so they're they're all your kids. But how have you been able to explain the situation to the kids? And what what you know what helps them? Because I think you mentioned communication for you two. You mentioned um, you know making hard decisions. You have to be willing to make those hard decisions. You didn't use the word sacrifice, but I feel like that's what you were both describing. You have to be willing to make sacrifices for the betterment of each other. And I think that that really shows in what you're mentioning. But for the kids, yes, you, you have to communicate with them, but how do you help them to understand the situation? Um, I would say also, as I mentioned before, communication. I think that um, one thing that really helped me as a father of three children with autism cell was the day that Tenji had a crisis. Um, because all of my three kids saw her falling to the floor and screaming it out of pain, right? So that was a moment where I could sit with my kids and explain to them what sickle cell is. Although I'd spoken to them um, on previous um, um, occasions about sickle cell for them to understand um, the situation in uh, of Tenji and her illness, I think that that moment they were like, what's this? So I was able to tell them, look, this is one of the difficult, difficult points of sickle cell, a pain crisis, right? So there is where questions started to come up. Um, because explaining something to a, a child of 10 years old, telling her how, blood, how, how the blood sickle is sometimes quite difficult, right? Um, but at that moment, when they saw that, they were like, okay, let's use Google. Let's see how it works, right? And you had different pictures and videos. So that was a moment where I was able to educate my, my three kids, where they could understand what was going on. Um, they were seeing Tenji going in and out of the hospital. Um, so it was impactful. They were... Um, FaceTiming, video calling Tenji in the hospital. They would play games um, while Tenji was in the hospital. So the information got to them um, in an easy way, but also in a hard way. So I think that right now they fully understand what sickle cell is. Um, they always ask me, Papa, how is Tenji? Yes, he's doing much better. So they're happy that she's doing much better in, in warm Florida, um, although they miss her a lot. But I believe that they feel very satisfied knowing that their sister is somewhere where she could have a, a, the same last life as they have, going to school, um, having friends, going to the swimming pool, just having a normal life. 
I think that's a very a, a satisfaction um, to them, and they feel very happy about it. Incredible. I think, you know, when you mentioned FaceTiming her and being able to play games via, you know, digital electronics, the beauty of the world we live in now is there are ways to connect with each other and interact without being in the same location. Whereas long time ago, it was very difficult, but now they can still interact and show love and have fun as kids do even remotely. Of course, it's not the exact same, but it definitely can make up for um, some of the difference with that separation. So I'm, I know you've talked a lot about Tanji going into the hospital and have you ever had to step in medically and speak up on your daughter's behalf? If so, how has that experience changed you personally? And for me, I just want to say that it can be very difficult having to explain to other people in the medical professional, um, who are medical professionals, that sickle cell disease, what it is and how to treat a child. And sometimes because sickle cell, it manifests in patients differently and there's no like cookie cutter or textbook answer. Sometimes as a parent, you have to speak up and advocate for your child. So Andressa, can you speak to having to step up and talk to healthcare professionals about your daughter? Yes, um, it happened a couple of times. Um, but I do remember one of the times where I was like, oh, my God, how could they miss such an important thing? Um, Tenji was having a very high fever. Her hemoglobin was dropping and um, she had a, a lot of lab work, but no blood transfusion yet. And I was very um, upset. And <laughs> I think that Alan can um, remember that as well. Because I was so frustrated because of the fact that they wanted to send her home with the pain and the fever and everything. So when your child is admitted to the hospital, the only thing you want is to, when she's home, that she will be okay. You know what I mean? And we always have these conversations starting at the ER. I'm only going to take her home if she is not coming back. But if when you know, you know, right? So you see at her eyes, the way she's reacting, acting, that it's not okay to take her home. And now she was admitted for almost a week. And at a certain point, uh, they wanted to send her home. And the hematologist also had a conversation with us about um, chronic back pain and that we need to try different things and stuff like that. You know, you need to start accept as a parent that things will, won't get better, stuff like that. So we had these conversations and at a certain point I asked for another lab work because I was like, I want to see how her hemoglobin is doing right now, right? Before sending her home. And then they did what I requested and we saw that her hemoglobin was only dropping. So I told them, we can't take her home. She needs blood transfusion, right? So these simple small things but doctors are human beings as well so they immediately requested blood and stuff like that so we had a conversation with the hematologist with our nursing team every everybody who was there because for me it was like you guys at that moment that is how you feel you let my daughter struggling in pain with fever and stuff and you want to send her home so that means that when I take her home, I'm going to continue the treatment plan with ibuprofen, Tylenol, Marvine, stuff like that. After a couple of days, you won't see anything getting better. So you're going back to the ER. You know what I mean? So that was one of the most important times that I needed to step in because of a mistake. I don't want to call it a mistake, but you know what I mean? Um, but where my feeling as a mom was right, that something was not right, we need to double check because Tenji is not okay to come home. 
So that was one of the things. Another thing also with not so long ago, um, that was a situation with a nurse where they couldn't find a good vessel, you know, a vein, sorry, a vein. All these small things, it's so frustrating, you know what I mean? And I'm like, this is not okay. Or when a nurse last year, a nurse told Tangi, or the nurse was talking to me, no, you need to deal with it. This is how your life is going to look like. This is sickle cell. Like, you're not going to talk to me like that, especially not when my daughter is here. You know what I mean? So what I did when I moved here to Florida, I decided to join the family and a patient council because I was like in the, from the hospital. I'm going to make sure that all the sickle cell patients who come in the hospital, that they are getting the best treatment ever. That is really my mission because my daughter is not the, the first and especially the last sickle cell patient who's going to be there. So, yeah, there are, I can go further and further with examples, but I think that for parents, it's very important caregivers to know what sickle cell disease is so that you can step in in the right way when you see that something is not okay, that you know also where to find uh, the problem so that you can get a good solution. Yes, yes. I think all parents who have a child with sickle cell can think of a time that is similar to what you mentioned is something that resonates with us all. And I love that you said, tr you know, you were describing how we have to trust our gut. Trust what we know and be willing to say something. Don't just go because they tell you to go home. Don't just take their word if in your inside you feel like you need to speak up. You're telling us definitely speak up because you as a parent know your child. And if there's something else that needs to be done, they need to do it. So don't be afraid to trust your instincts and speak up and speak out for your child and take it a step further, just like you mentioned. You're not only speaking up for your child now, you're advocating for other children. And so that's what we have to do. We have to take our knowledge, take our experiences and help the next family because it's true, someone else is gonna experience it. So this question is for Alan. What do you admire, admire most about your spouse and how she cares for your daughter? Okay, that's, that's an easy question. Um, my wife's a warrior, honestly. Um, and I've seen that from day one. Um, she fights to keep her daughter healthy. And when her daughter is in the hospital, she fights to get her out of the hospital feeling good, right? Um, so I believe I admire that she wants to share the information. Um, all of the knowledge she has, she wants to share that, that other mothers, other fathers are can, can lift that experience also, right? Um, she wrote a children's book, for example. The idea is not to keep the information for herself, but her, her idea is, if I change the world for my daughter, I want to change the world for the entire world, right? Um, so that's what I'm saying. She's a warrior, not only for herself, but also for the sickle cell community. Um, and sometimes, I, I, I don't think I tell her, um, enough how proud I am of her, but um, she dedicates her life to sickle cell and improving not her daughter, but the sickle cell community in, in general. You know, she doesn't look at what's happening in, in sickle cell here in the States, but she's all busy in Suriname. Sometimes my wife tells me, ah, I spoke to um, Henry, he's all the way in Nigeria, and I'm like, what? I'm, I spoke to this person. He's all the way in Zimbabwe. What? And don't don't. Maybe next year I'll go all the way to Tanzania. I'm like, are you serious? So, for her, it's not only herself, right? It's about children worldwide. What can she do as a 
superwoman to be able to impact every single child with sickle cell around the world, right? And I think that was the objective of her writing a children's book in English. Then it went to Dutch. Then it went to French. Um, it still has to be in Espanol. Um, but that means that her thought is not selfless. Um, 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 she's not selfish about herself and her daughter. It's about how do we get children around the world the best um, um, possible for them to live the best life, the best healthy life possible, right? And um, I'm proud of that. But as she just mentioned, she's a clear example of how to take care of a child with sickle cell. Not only the knowledge that she has gathered, but also standing up in the hospital saying, I don't agree on that. Can we do this? Sometimes I look at her, I'm like, okay, maybe you should put on a white coat because <laughs> she's not only the doctor at home, she's trying to play also the doctor in the hospital, right? But that's good because then you challenge the nurses, you challenge the, the doctors, give the best to my daughter so she could return home and not to return home to stay in the bed, but return home to go to school, to pick up her life again, right? So I'm, I'm so proud of her and um, she has so many good quality that is going to impact the entire sickle cell community. Oh, beautiful. I love it. I love it. Andressa, tell everybody, he brought up your book. Tell our listeners the name of your book and how they can get a copy. Yes. So the name of our book <laughs> is Kimaya and the Beach My Journey Living with Sickle Cell. And um, the book is available via Amazon. And I want to share one more thing because I know that people living with sickle cell have very high medical expenses. Um, so we made a 2D animation movie, which is free and available on YouTube as well. And the sickle cell book, um, I'm so happy to share a very short, if that is okay, um, introduction about the book. Because when our daughter was in the hospital, it was uh, COVID just started. And um, she was so frustrated and, and sad about, you know, why me? And she's the only child with sickle cell and stuff. So when she got home, I told Alan that um, I'm going to write a book myself. At first, he didn't believe me. So I went to the printer. I took a piece of paper and I told him, OK, let's make the framework. <laughs> I was all in. And it was like, you're kidding me, right? I said, nope, I'm not. And you really start to have this conversation. Basically, we wrote a book together, Ellen and myself. We were sitting on the couch and thinking about stuff. It was such a beautiful journey that we were able to put together for the sickle cell community. And we were able to give this as a birthday present for uh, Tangi because um, the public, the public, the published date was uh, two days before her uh, birthday. And if I look at the impact that this book had, I feel that we definitely need to more write more children books. The book is now available in two languages, Dutch, English, and French. And before end of the year, the plan is to also have it in Spanish. And now I'm also working on a second book um, where also a boy is involved because not only girls are having sickle cell, but also boys. And this is then more like guidelines for children and caregivers living with sickle cell, of course dealing with sickle cell so that they know exactly what to do and how to do. So we're continuing working on beautiful assets for our community. I love it. I love it. And I, I love that you're doing it together. I know um, as a fellow author, as a mom, as a caregiver, a lot of times people don't see my husband, but he's always working behind the scenes. And so when you talked about you two writing it together, you know, sometimes they see the mom showing up as advocates, but we can only do that if we have a strong support system to be able to do that. And so I am so happy to hear that you both are supporting each other so that you can 
take care of Tanji the best in the best way and the best way possible. And so I am so grateful that you took time to be on the Vitamin SC3 podcast. So thank you both. And um, let people know how they can connect with you if they want to um, follow you on social media and learn about your second book. Yes, um, for now, I'm only on LinkedIn and Instagram. I took a pause from Facebook because it was a little bit too much. But um, LinkedIn, it's Andressa Hansel Ambrose and Instagram, um, Sickle Cell for Kids. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to share okay. the links with you. Yeah. Thank you. And everybody, I will put those links in our show notes page. So visit our show notes page so that you can click right through and follow Andressa and her journey in raising her daughter with sickle cell. So thank you both, Alan and Andressa. Thank you for your parenting, for your encouragement, and for sharing about being a blended family and how you're raising a child with sickle cell disease. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much for inviting us. All right, folks, that's all for today. Remember to tune in next week for a new podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. We hope that you will leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, a new episode is coming out next Monday. So please tune in and enjoy.